Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. How many people have never been to this church before? Is it your first time? Okay, come on. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Jesus, someone in the back. Glory to God. All right. Come on, God. Um, is that all right if I just step over here out of the light? Can you guys still see me? <laughs> I didn't disappear on you. It's going to follow me. I knew it. Um, Jesus. Um, man. We've been, we've been talking about, uh, we've been kind of going through some of our core values. When you're, when you're starting a church, at least when I would, well, the way I would start a church, and I get to start however I want, um, <laughs> it's, it's good to be here. Um, I, and I have a passion to take every, our, our kind of our core people. Who's our core people? The people that are coming at the beginning. So if you're here and you've been here for more than a couple weeks, you're kind of getting to be the core people because when this gets bigger, like you guys are the people that are going to sustain what God's doing. Okay? I don't know if you see it that way. That's the way I see it because you can't sustain something by a couple good leaders. Um, you just can't. Like no, People might follow them, but if there's not a core group of people that are actually carrying the DNA, carrying the message, the vision... And you guys are the message. And you guys are the vision. So if you're coming here and you've been here more than a couple times, you're starting to get the feeling for what we're about. You're starting to get the feeling like, oh, this is how they do things. This is where they're still getting better at. But I give them a lot of grace. Thank you. Um, and, and like, this is how they worship. This is what they believe. This is how they pray. Right? So we're, we're creating a culture here, a DNA. Um, and you guys are really the cultural and, and the DNA. My job might be the chief visionary officer, the CVO or something, you know? And so my job is to set the vision for where we're going. Your job is to grab a hold of the vision, make it personal to you, and then replicate it. Okay? Sounding really weird. Um, (laughs) I'm just super self-conscious sometimes. And so that's your responsibility right, to, to receive what God's doing in your heart, what we're, the vision we're casting. And if you're agreeing with that vision where we're going of taking cities and transforming lives and getting people saved, healed, and delivered, and you want to keep hanging out with us, you're the reason this thing's going to happen. And so you guys grabbing a hold of this stuff and then getting it out of you. Where do you get that out of you? We'll start with the person next to you. Look around you right now. Just look around. Look around. Come on, turn your head. See that person to your left and to your right? They're, they're, they're fair game. If, if you're hoping someone's going to pray for you this morning, we're going to do prayer at the front afterwards, but look to the left and the right and think about what word God's going to give you to pray for them. And when we're done, when we dismiss everybody, give it to them. And then if they still want to come up, they can do that too. But I promise you, you're the answer to their prayers. All right. So we've been talking about our vision and our core values, and we're moving into this thing. We, we kind of hit on, on community. Um, uh, the idea, uh, I said community a lot last week, apparently. Someone counted. Um, <laughs> I, said, I heard your sermon. You said community a lot, Jesse. I, said, I bet I did. Um, I want to move into powerful people. I want to move into, now we have great community. We have a high value for this. But we also have a value for transforming people into the image of Jesus. And Jesus was powerful. He was powerful. It wasn't just powerful that he healed the sick 
and then he did miracles. He was powerful because he knew how to live a, live a powerful life, right? So what does a powerful Christian look like? A powerful Christian to me, you know, we all different, you could talk about this for a while, but a powerful Christian, a powerful person is, is someone that has great beliefs about God, about themselves, about other people, about their circumstances. And I'm going to talk about having powerful beliefs about yourself today, okay? And so maybe if I back up, maybe I'm too close to these speakers. All right, that might be better. That sounds better. Okay, so when, I'm, when we talk about powerful people today, I'm going to talk about what do you believe about yourself? Because how you think about yourself is going to dictate how you act. It's going to dictate your experiences. It's going to dictate what you experience in life, okay? The Bible says, as a man thinks, so he is. So if you're thinking negative thoughts and untrue thoughts about yourself, what are you going to experience? You're going to literally experience your thoughts about yourself. You're gonna, if you think you're worthless and you're not a very, you don't have anything to give away to somebody next to you, you're not going to pray for anybody, right? If you think I'm not really good at my job, I don't know why people would hire me, do you think you're going to attract good jobs or attract bad jobs? Okay, so and if you think you're the most amazing person and people can't wait to talk to you and be your friend, are you going to attract friends? You better believe you are. People are going to come up and say, wow, Ashley, I don't know why, but I just want to be your friend. She's going to be like, of course you do. I'm amazing. So we talk about this whole thing about what do we believe about ourselves. One of the core things that, that as a believer you have to understand, and you can adopt about the power of positive thinking. The world has that down fairly well. There's lots of great speakers out there. But, it, but what did Jesus preach as the core thing that we need to believe about ourselves is that you're his righteousness. You're his righteousness. Jesus didn't die on the cross because you're a sinner. He died because he saw the value that you have on you and he, and he died on the cross to reveal that value. He didn't die because you're a sinner. He died because you were valuable and worth it. So we're going to get into this, and there's this weird thing in Christianity that I, I, I didn't grow up in the church, so it wasn't really this DNA that was beat into me, but I've heard it so many times, I get it. This whole thing of, well, brother, we're just, we're just sinners saved by grace. Just a sinner saved by grace, you know, and, and, you know, we can only do so good with what we've been given. Like, we've been dealt this hand, we're sinners, so, you know, brother, we're just going to try and manage it and get to heaven. Right? A lot of people think, I got saved. Now I get to go to heaven. That's my ticket. Brother, that's the beginning. That's when the fun begins. Okay? But if you go through your life thinking, well, I'm a sinner waiting to go to heaven, but at least I get to go to heaven. Man, if you believe that by your very nature is to sin, is to turn away from God, is to say no to his love and kindness, is to do bad things, then you actually believe that about yourself. What's your experience going to be? This isn't new for a lot of us. I get it. But for some of us, it's just good to be washed in this thing once in a while. This is the gospel, guys. If you believe that you're a sinner waiting to go to heaven, you're literally going to sin by faith. You're going to sin because it's just who I am. It's what I do. It's like a duck quacking. 
It would be weird if a duck stopped quacking. Why? Because he's a duck, and it's, that's what ducks do. They quack. That's a horrible explanation. <laughs> but if you believe you're a sinner walking around, I'm a Christian, and Jesus died to pay for my sins, but my nature is still to do X, Y, Z. And why do I think this? Because I keep doing X, Y, Z, so it must be true. We're going to erase that today, okay? And we're going to read a lot of scripture. So if you have your Bible, get it out. If it's on your phone, awesome. Get that out. Get your Bible app open. And go to 1 John. We're going to read a lot of scripture today because I think the Bible says it better than I could. And people seem to believe it more when the Bible says it than when I say it. It's just a good idea. All right, I'll let you get there. 1 John 1. So I'm gonna, we're just going to read a lot of scripture. I'm going to break it down and kind of just, you might forgive me if this is all repeat, but the reality is like, I need to hear this message again and again. Because just because you heard a good message doesn't mean it's become truth to you. And we're after, we're after truth becoming real, getting in you, right? The truth will set you free. But not just hearing truth, believing truth. And so we're going to keep, this is just the gospel, guys. If, if, if you can go through these scriptures again and again in your own time, it's going to get in you. It's going to be real. And when you realize how amazing you are, you're just going to start acting that way. And all those things that you did before that were less than amazing, they're just going to become a, something out of your past where you're like, I don't even remember yelling at my wife anymore. I don't even remember being selfish. I don't remember being addicted to something. Okay? All right. And how you do that is you read the word and you get it in you. You get truth in you. It sets you free. All right. You guys ready? We're going to read 1 John 1, and we're going to start with uh, verse 5. And I'm probably going to walk around. We're getting a little ear mic, but that's not till next week. So I'm, I'm double, double fisting you here. All right. 1 John 1, 5. God is in the light. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. By the way, God's in you. So where is there no darkness? In you. Come on, that's a good word. <laughs> Just get ready, guys. Like I've, I've been stoked about this for like four days now. <laughs> if we say that we, we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses from all sin. Listen, if we say we, that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, what's he saying here? He's not saying that, that, that don't say you walk in light and then, and then you miss it. No, he's saying, he's saying this is who we are. If you're, if you're continually walking in the darkness, it's possible you're not actually, you're not actually believing in the right God. It, you know, there's plenty of people that think they're Christians, but they're actually walking in darkness. Well, they've actually decided it's not about God. I'm just going to do my own thing. And God's an ornament. But listen, if your heart is for him, if your heart is for him, like you're going to walk in light, right? I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. You, if you're here, if you're trying, if you're going after God, you're walking in the light. Verse, uh, verse 8, um, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. I'm going to prove this as we go, but listen, what he's talking about is, listen, we have, at one point, we all fell short, right? 
I think it's Romans 3.26. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone. There's no one that was righteous, not one. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody. But he's not talking about us right now. He's talking about us before we met Jesus, we needed him. Everybody needed him. Come on. If, if we confess, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everybody say all. all. How many is all? all? Come on, this isn't rocket science. This is, this is the Bible. <laughs> he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay? If we, if we pretend that we don't need him in us, then, then we've missed it, right? We've missed it. Then we really need help. Listen, we need Jesus, but now you have him, right? Everybody say, I have Jesus. Come on, that's good news. For, uh, so uh, chapter two, verse one. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. What? May not sin? That's impossible. I've been told all my life, we'll always sin. Well, that's just what this says. It says, I am writing to these things so that you may not sin. Then it goes on. And if anyone sins, not when. If. John is literally saying, guys, this is the Bible. He says, if you sin, which me makes, makes me think that there's an opportunity for us as believers to not sin. That's really controversial. If you don't know that's controversial, it is. I, I dare you to bring it up over dinner with, with other people. <laughs> it, it'll get things going. Because our whole life we've been taught, well, brother, you're a sinner that has Jesus. But Jesus, John says, if anyone sins, if, if you do, and if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the one that is righteous. And he himself is the propitiation or the intercessor or the advocate um, Jesus, uh, with the Father. I'm sorry, he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for only ours, but also for those of the whole world. See, Jesus already died for all sin. That's how you can get an unbeliever healed. Because Jesus already paid for healing. That's how they get healed. Now, they still need Jesus. I'm not saying that he paid for all sin and so everybody's saved in that moment. No, there's still a decision that says, I am a sinner and I need Jesus. I need his righteousness in me. All right. By this we know that we have come to know him. And if we keep his commandments... The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. Wow. Okay, let's go to Romans. You guys following me? Okay, this is, it's kind of heavy. This is really good. This will set you free. I think it's the only thing that does actually. Um, come on. All right. Ah, thank you, Lord. I will seek first. Ah, so good. 
Okay. <laughs> Come on. All right. Uh, Romans 6. I'll give you a sense to get there. Romans 6. Guys, we could start at Romans 4. We totally could. We could read all of it. We're, as it is, we're going to get through a couple chapters here, but Every now and then I, I, I have people email me and they say, hey, I want to check your church out. Do you believe in Jesus there? And, and do you read the Bible? And I'm like, yes and yes. <laughs> we do both. Come. <laughs> what church? Well, I will go there. Um, thank you, Jesus. We do that. <laughs> we get that. We get it right. Come on. All right. Verse six. You guys ready? He says, what shall we say then? What's that in reflection to? Right before that, you don't have to go there. Right before verse 20, verse, or, uh, chapter 5, verse 20, he says, he says but, we, uh, but, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. I'm going to read that again. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the end of 5 there. So Paul ends verse, um, chapter 5 with his whole talking all about grace and how grace, like, grace, like, you don't have to sin anymore. There's grace. It paid for all of sin. You don't have to worry and be concerned about sin anymore in your life. And then, and then the logical question gets brought up. But are you, we just go on sinning then because it's taken care of. It's fine. I can just sin whenever I want. I can sin, sin, sin. I'm a Christian now, and Jesus paid for that, right? No. He says, he says, no, where sin increased, grace abound all the more. And then chapter six, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Right? Because some people, that's the response. They go, well, brother, if you preach on grace too much, everybody's going to think they have a license to sin because it's taken care of. That God doesn't care about sin. No, that's weird thinking. That's just weird because when you read this, it doesn't make sense because he says, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be, Paul says. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? He's saying that would be weird. We've died to sin. Why would you keep sinning? Why? You've died to it. That's not your nature anymore. Verse three, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Right? Baptism. Baptism, when we, we're gonna, you know, you, you take a perfectly good person, you dunk them and you drown them underwater, right? And, and you, you, you wait till they stop moving and then you pull them back up after they've died and they come back up alive, that's what baptism is. It's not just a symbolic thing we do. It's actually, it's taking the old nature, the sinful nature that said, I need Jesus, I'm a sinner. We held it underwater until that thing died and we brought up a brand new resurrected life. Come on, this is gonna play out really nicely. Therefore, we have been buried with him. Who's him? Jesus. Through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Come on, this is just true. I'm not making this up. Each and every one of us, if you believe, if you've been saved, you've died, you've been buried, and you were 
resurrected with Christ. Not alone. You're not the exception. Wow. Verse 5, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified in him. Okay, everybody say old self. self. Say it again. My old self self was crucified. crucified. It's It's dead. The Bible says it's gone. Come on, that's good news. Let's give a little shout for that. Ew! Come on. Listen, this is the thing that keeps tripping us up. This old self that we keep digging up. We keep digging this thing up and it's dead, it's buried, it's gone. It's like, it's like so last decade. It's so before I was saved. And yet we keep bringing that up. Wow, brother, I'm just, this, I'm just this sinner saved by, I'm just my old self walking around with this new clothes that Jesus gave me. No, he didn't give you a new pair of clothes. He didn't just polish you up when you got saved. He killed you. Listen, the Christian faith's not about you. How do we know? He killed you. You're not even here for you. You're here for him and for the person next to you. Listen, you're not a project. Dude, you're, 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 the, you're, you're the finished project. You are. You're the finished works of Christ. We preach on the finished works of Christ. This is it. This is good news. Like, pinch yourself. You're not dreaming. Don't pinch the person next to you. That's inappropriate. Um, listen, this is really good news. Uh, where were we? I'm going to reread six, verse, verse six. Knowing this, that his old, our, this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Come on, come on, we're free. Well, for, well brother, I don't feel free. I, I'm still working through stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm still in bondage. I'm still trying to figure this addiction thing out. I'm still trying to figure this anger thing out. All right, well, let's keep reading. <laughs> Come on, Scripture's fun. Verse 8, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. We don't have to keep doing this crucifying thing where, well, I crucify my flesh daily. No, it was crucified. It was crucified. So what does Paul mean when he says daily? I, you know, I think it says daily I crucify my... He's talking about daily. Daily, I'm rightly thinking about my righteousness. I wake up in the morning... And I remind myself, Jesse, I insist you believe this, you're righteous. I insist you believe your old self is gone. I insist you believe that old thing, that habit you want to keep doing, that addiction that seems interesting to you is not interesting. It was interesting to my old self. It was interesting to my sin nature. But that thing's gone. That thing's gone. The Bible actually says that, I think, I think Jordan even said in Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, not our, not our past. Wow. 
See, listen, what's going to separate us from that? From, from, actually, let me rephrase that. The one thing Paul doesn't say is our past. <laughs> things present or things future. But he doesn't say our past because when we go digging up our old nature, what do we do, guys? What happens? When we dig up our old nature, when we revert back to our old way of thinking, we, we basically become buddies with that old nature. And we, and we, we, we put it on as, a, as like a uh, kind of a, Comfort, a comfortable coat that we recognize back in the day when we used to sin a lot, when we used to, and we put it on. And, 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 and all of a sudden, all those old habits feel really good. And all of a sudden, we do things that we know we shouldn't have done. There's that word should. And what happens when we do things that we just know aren't, what, aren't, aren't good things, aren't what, what's in the heart of God? It's not the it's not the goodness of God overtaking us. It's our old nature. We do these things and what happens? We get brought under shame. We get brought under condemnation. Who's condemning us though? Not the father. He dealt with all that stuff. He looks at you and sees Jesus. He looks at you and sees your resurrected self. He sees your new nature when he looks at you. He doesn't see this, this coat you put on that's called old nature. And so he's not condemning us. He doesn't bring shame. What do we do? We actually bring shame on ourselves. We actually put this thing on. And, we, and what does that do? It creates distance between us and the Father. Is there distance? No, not really. There's no distance from you. You can't do anything to distance yourself. But we don't feel close to God because we've, we're now under shame. We've made a decision that made us feel shameful. Anybody ever done that? Man, when you recognize that you've done something and you feel that shame, dude, let me tell you guys really quickly, right away, just go, oh, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I didn't do that. God, that's what, I made a mistake. I, I made a bad decision. I made a mistake. I did something that is not my nature to do because my nature is righteousness. My nature is holiness. I am prone to listen to God. I am prone to do good things. I am prone to love well. And when I don't love well, I'm like, wow, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. I tell you what, I need to go bury this thing again because somehow it got unburied. <laughs> I don't know why that thing comes unburied sometimes. It just does. But I'll tell you what, the more we go after God and we go after his righteousness in us, the, the fewer times you're going to find that thing gets dug up. I promise you, if you're frustrated in your, in, in, your, in your stuff, if you're just bummed out that you can't kick this thing, I promise you, if you seek the Father, if you just go after Him with everything that you are, whatever that looks like, it's going to happen less and less. But you got to be armed with truth. If you're arming yourself with, I'm just a sinner, it's going to keep happening, you're going to do it by faith. But if you keep telling yourself, this isn't who I am, that's not me. I didn't do, that's not me. That's my old self. I don't even know who that person is. I don't recognize him. Jesus doesn't recognize him. I don't recognize that person anymore. I am this person. Why? Because that's who God says I am. That's who my friends say I am. And that's who I say I am. And, and watch how quickly your faith lines up with your experience. Watch how quickly what you keep telling yourself happens. Come on, this is, this is really good. All right, where are we? But by verse 10, I think, all right, for, death, for the death that he died, he died for sin once and for all, but the life he lived, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to 
it's dead. I'm alive, but it's dead. Come on, that alone will mess your dinner, dinner, like your dinner conversation up. Like, but brother, what about Paul? What about, what about verse, what about chapter seven? We're going to get there. All right, we're going to get there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm holding it together here. Therefore, verse 12, therefore. <laughs> All of that truth being said, therefore. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Don't let it. You have a choice. You're not, you're not in bondage to sin. You're not. You're in bondage to righteousness. You're a bondservant. Ah. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. What's he saying? That's, that's like code, Paul. What are you saying? It means don't present yourself to unrighteous. What does that mean? It means stop, stop um, presenting yourself to that old nature. Stop letting that old nature have an influence in your life. Stop going back and thinking that might be you. Listen, we're all going to have those dark days where we're slightly depressed, we're bummed out. Maybe you're really depressed. I don't know. I've had those. In that moment, there's this opportunity to present yourself to that old nature and say, maybe that's right about me. Maybe that's really true because I'm feeling pretty poopy right now. Maybe that's true. Maybe I'm not what the Bible says I am. This is what he says. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign your body. He says, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But, 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 <laughs> but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. I'm alive. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not. Say, shall not. Shall. Say, shall not. Shall not. Yeah. <laughs> Be master over you. You are not under law, but under grace. Man, aren't you glad that Paul in, in, in first, or John in 1 John said, said, but if you sin? Aren't you glad that's in the Bible? I'm really glad. What then, verse 15, shall we sin because we are, uh, we are not under the law but under grace? What, this license to sin thing, Jesse? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Ah. Now when someone says, well, brother, at least we're, you know, we, we're, you know, at least we're going to heaven. We're just sinners saved by grace. No, I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm, I'm shackled to righteousness. I'm, I'm imprisoned with righteousness. My cellmate is righteousness. I, I hang out with him all day. He, he leads and guides me everywhere I go. Why? Because I, I have to go with him anyway. I'm, I'm shackled to him. 
because I'm, I'm a slave to righteousness. That's, that's the language he's using, guys. This is, this is, this is real. <laughs> okay. okay, we just keep reading, but I want to I wanna get to um, the, the kicker that keeps messing us up in, in Romans 7. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. Chapter 7, um, let's go over there. Okay, or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. Who are we? Dead people. We're dead people made alive in Christ, right? We killed that person that lived, that was, that was shackled to the law. Listen, before you got saved, the law followed you around and condemned you. That's why we had the law. The law was there to reveal that we needed a savior. It's not bad in and of itself, but God said, I have a better covenant. Okay, well, I'm about to lose this. All right. It's really good. Okay, so I'm gonna jump to verse to 714 because this is what we keep getting tripped up on. If you've never heard this before, get ready. Okay, so Paul, Paul's talk goes through verse seven. And by the way, in Romans, like 42 times, he, makes, uh, he's, he alludes to that we're dead. Dead, 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 dead. 42 times in Romans. Like lots. Like, no, you've been crucified. You're dead. You're buried. You're this, you're that. We're dead. So then all of a sudden, verse 14. For we know that the law, uh, where is it? For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. Now, I'll just read it. Sold into bondage to sin. Seems like a different person is talking almost, doesn't it? It's just weird. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. I'm just a worm. I'm just a Christian, whatever. Okay, yeah. For nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Did you catch that? For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But I am doing the very thing I want, but I am doing the very thing I do not want. I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Man. I find in the principle that evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good, for I joyfully concur with the law of, of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind. And da 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 da, da. Uh, Verse 24, wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you guys hear almost a different person talking? Did that sound radically different? On one hand, Paul's saying, there, the, the, the God who is light is in me, to which there is no darkness. And now Paul says, this wretched man that in, evil dwells within me. Do you see something shifted? Do you see that, that it no longer makes sense the way people have talked about this? That Paul actually says, no, no, that's for when we get to heaven. But right now, evil dwells in us. No. See, 
Right there. Verse 8, verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, after all that being said, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he buried that stuff. He killed it. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. That's good news. You can't do this. Praise God. God killed you. You didn't kill yourself. You didn't work for this. You said, yes, God, I need you. And God said, good enough for me. I'll kill you with my son Jesus. I'm going to raise you up because you're really valuable to me. And I'm going to shackle you to righteousness. In fact, I'm going to put the God of light in you to lead and guide you so that you never think you have evil living in you. See, what's, what's going on with Paul? What happened there? Was he schizophrenic? Did he just like, ah, I have, an, I have a, a, a mind disorder? No. There's one of two things I've heard, which I think is, is good. One, he's talking to a bunch of people about how he was before he got saved, right? He's saying, but the stuff I wanted to do, I didn't do, and oh, wretched man, am I. That's one, and I like that. I think that's a really good, I think that's, that's the majority one I hear. The other thing, the other way you could take this, and I'm just giving you choices. The second one is that he's talking about those moments when we've dug up our old self and we don't feel very righteous. Either way, that stuff's D-E-A-D, dead, right? It's gone. So what's truth? Well, brother, but I don't feel very truthful right now. I know, that's okay. We have someone that will speak truth over you. Listen, God put the Holy Spirit in you and day and night it cries out, Abba, Father. Why? Because we need Abba, Father in our lives. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna land this thing. All right. Come on, this is good. Ah, whew. Listen, this isn't a one-time message. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna really just like, I wanna urge you guys. Like, Dan Moeller killed this thing. Like, I think it's like his second or third message on our podcast. You can, there's lots of people that are really good messages, but get this message. Reread the scriptures and read them this way. How many of you guys, like, this was like, you read the scriptures and like this, some of the stuff like kind of stood out to you as new. Raise your hand. Some of the stuff did. Yeah. So keep reading these scriptures. Go read verse chapter five. Go five, six, seven, eight. Make it a marathon. I don't know. But just get the truth in you. Because one message doesn't change a life. But you start to get seeds. And seeds are being planted right now. God is convicting our hearts of righteousness. He doesn't convict. The, he convicts the world of sin. Why? Because the world needs Jesus. But the Holy Spirit convicts us of our righteousness. Why? Because that's who you are. I can't convict you of being somebody else. That's like trying to convict my wife that, that her name's Laura. That would be weird. I'm convicting her of who she is. She's my wife. She's Jessica. She's amazing. And I convict her of who she is. And that, that's the call in our lives, to be convicted of our righteousness. Because when you get convicted of who you really are, of who you really are, that's when you become powerful. That's when, that's when the world tries to hand you a bad day and you say, no, thank you. 
Why would I take that? That was buried. That's That's when trials and persecution comes and you say, thank you. This is gonna do a good work in me. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get so strong walking through this trial, Jesus. See, the Bible promises that trials are coming, that it's not going to be easy some days. But the Bible also says that I have, set a, I have set the joy in you, and in the presence of me is the fullness of joy. How can he say that? Because he's put joy in you. And no matter what comes at you, you can say, I'm a powerful Christian. This isn't going to dictate whether I have a good day or not. This isn't going to dictate whether my love is on or off today. This isn't going to dictate whether I yell at my kids or whether I love them well today because I have a new nature. And that, that, that old desire to yell at people and, and be mean and be angry and be addicted, that old thing is dying more and more every day up here. It's already dead, but it needs to keep dying up here. Daily, we need to wake up. Daily, we need to say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you are who you say you are, God, that you've made me righteous, God. I thank you, Lord, that, that I, I, am, I, am, I am all light. There is no evil that is in me. I look in the mirror, Father, and I see you. I see goodness. I see joy. I see kindness, and it's coming out. Possibly into the person next to me. Come on, Jesus. I know it's a lot. It's a lot. But if you caught half of that, you're, you're ahead. <laughs> and you don't even have to listen to the sermon. You can just reread the sermon. How about that? <laughs> we had it transcribed. <laughs> it's in the book. It's in the Bible. It's good. Come on, just... just Put your hand on your heart right now. Just close your eyes. This, this just really matters to me, guys. It just matters to me that we as, as sons and daughters, we get this because it's going to change everything. Father, I thank you. Let's just, let's just declare this over our hearts right now. Just say, say heart, <laughs> you're a good heart. You're a, you're a new creation. That old heart, it's gone. It's really gone. That old fear, it's gone too. That old anxiety, it was buried. It died. It was on the cross with Jesus. That stress, it's not mine. I've got no stress in me. I just have the Father. I just have joy. I just have goodness. Yeah. Say, heart, I insist you believe this. <laughs> it's true. Believe it. You're a good heart. You're a good person. You're whole. You're healthy. You're alive and you're chained to righteousness. So you can't mess this up, heart. <laughs> you're destined to win and you're winning right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, just, just stay in that place for a second. If you're here and you, you actually don't know Jesus, you, you've just felt like, man, after this, I feel like I might need him, though. No. If you need a new heart, if you need to get rid of anger and fear and addiction, if you need to get freedom, there's only one place to do it. And it's at the place of needing a Savior. Don't wait another day. It's today. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Everybody's just looking down. They're just, they're too focused on the goodness in them right now anyway. But raise your hand if that's you. If you need Jesus, just raise your hand. Say, I need Jesus. I want to give my life to him. Just raise your hand if that's you. Come on. Come on. And if in your heart you're just like, man, this is really good. I haven't been around God much lately. I need to come back. Today's a really good day. Come back. Come back. There's, all of God is, is waiting. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.